Got a Bible, a Bible app, a hardbound Bible? Go to the Old Testament book of Isaiah this morning. Isaiah chapter 9. Glad to see everybody today. Give somebody next to you a high five. Now, most of you just did somebody close to your family. So now find somebody next to you. Don't have to get out of your seats. Just say hello to somebody behind you, in front of you, or whatever, okay? Yeah. Rick, I said, no, get out of your seats. You cheated. No, that's all right. But God is good, amen? Thanks for being here today. If you're watching online, you caught us. Sorry, we had a computer, our stream computer shut down, but they've been working hard to get it up and running. I think it's going good now, right? Are we live? We are live. There's 10 million people watching right now. Yes, dude, we're breaking the internet. Woo, that's awesome. Uh, my name is Greg, I'm the lead pastor, and I'm just so glad all of you guys are here today as we, we're celebrating Jesus Christ and more, focusing on him. Um, you know, we've been in a series talking about the names of God, hello, my name is God, uh, but last week we switched to spending a few weeks during the Christmas season talking about the descriptive names of Jesus, um, and, and so... Before I get to that, I do want to announce that uh, the 22nd, everyone say the 22nd, Friday night, you didn't have to repeat that, but that's okay. I appreciate the encouragement. I knew somebody would. Woo! We're on a roll. Uh, Is our, we're going to have, it's the first ever inaugural uh, candlelight Christmas service, an Oso Creek Christmas is what we're calling it. Our kids are, are going to do a little performance. It's going to be fun. It's going to be beautiful. It will be worth your time. And we're going to have like some desserts at the end. So even that's going to be good. Yes? So invite somebody. We want to, we want to make this a very, very special night. So uh, that'll be awesome. Guys, we mentioned skeet shooting, uh, men's ministry Christmas skeet shoot. <laughs> uh, that's coming up probably next. I'm going to send out a text with info today about that. Okay. So if you don't get a text by, let's say, 5.30 or 4.30 or something, text me and say, where's the text? And then we'll make sure you get it, okay? <laughs> Maybe you got it, but that's all right. That we're, we're working on those details, and that sounds great. Uh, last week, we talked, we, we started this switching from, you know, talking about God. We talked about, you know, Creator God. We talked about Elohim. We've done Adonai, El Elyon, um, Jehovah. And, and so we've been focusing on God. So last week, we switched to talking about Jesus uh, Matthew one twenty three. we read the gospel writer wrote, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So we talked about this first descriptive name for Jesus being Emmanuel, God with us. And, and that is such a great truth, right? And that's such an amazing truth. God with us. You know, and I talked about last week in the message, it's like, you know what, we're not promised tomorrow. I said, we don't know what will happen when we leave this room. We don't want to know what will happen tomorrow, the next day. We don't know what will happen three hours from now. But we know the truth of this, that Emmanuel, God is with us, no matter what we face or whatever we go through, right? And dude, it really came home from one of our families, and I asked them if I could talk about this just for like a couple of seconds. Where, where's Patrick and Crystal? They're over there. Patrick McMenemy was coming home. Where were you, Patrick, anyway? He was in San Diego, Texas or California? <laughs> Texas, okay, I didn't, that's what I thought. I was like, that's a long drive. Uh, but ha- was in a massive accident last Sunday night, him and their son, Weston. Dude, they shouldn't have walked away. And I know what that's all about because I've been in accidents like that where you shouldn't walk away. Many of you have been that way too. 
But that message of Emmanuel, God with us, came apparently real. Just the truth of that hit their lives. And that's the truth of that name of Jesus, God with us, even if we get into a horrible accident. And they shouldn't have walked away. If you saw pictures on Facebook, it was crazy. But God was with them and his hand was upon them. Amen? So Emmanuel, God is with us. Amen. Yeah, that's, that's good to praise him. Amen? So I gave some, and we're glad you're here. Praise the Lord. Still, Patrick, with us. Amen? I gave some background context on that last week from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, 18 through 23, and some of that context of what the gospel writer Matthew was writing about, he was quoting the prophet Isaiah, Isaiah 7, 14. We talked about how that was assigned to the, to the, to the king of the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, the Israelite kingdom. So today I want to I look at about another prophecy of Christ's birth found in the book of Isaiah today, and we're going to use this specific text all the way to December 31st, Okay. But I want to read verses 1. I want to start with verse 1 on Isaiah 9 so we get the full story of what's going on here. The prophet writes, But there will be no gloom for her who was in anguish. In the former time he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time he has made glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. Now right away I'm just going to kind of bullet point this a little bit. So when... Matthew is writing his gospel talking about the birth of Christ and where he's going to be. You know, Matthew later talks about Christ is going to come and he's going to start his ministry right here in this specific region that the prophet Isaiah is writing about in Isaiah 9, okay? The region of Galilee. Verse 2, the people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in a land of deep darkness, on them a light shone. You've multiplied the nation. You've increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as they are glad when they divide the spoil. For the yoke of his burden and the staff of, for his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian, as a great victory uh, in the Old Testament for the Israelites. Verse 5. For every boot of the tramping warrior in battle, tumult and every garment rolled in blood will be burned as fuel for the fire. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end on the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. And that's what that song was singing about right before I came up here. Talking about these names of Jesus in verse six. Did you catch them? Because that's the biggie, right? That's the boom. That's a huge scripture. That text, verse six, has been quoted, has been sung about, has been memorized, has been plastered and posted all over the place, especially during Christmas, right? How many have read it somewhere already this season? Yeah, okay. For unto us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called, say them with me, wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace. And then Isaiah goes on in verse seven to talk about his government 
And that's it's going, it's going on right now as we serve our king, but it's also talking about a future prophecy and the millennial reign of Jesus Christ. But this text, especially verse six, you're gonna see it on a lot of Christmas cards, Christmas signage, Christmas decor. But when Isaiah wrote this passage of scripture, you know, centuries, centuries, thousand, over a thousand years ago, he wasn't thinking, hmm, dude, this is gonna make a great text to go on a Christmas card. A Christmas card that's covered with glitter and when people open it, that glitter is gonna get all over the place. They need that little hee hee laugh, you know what I mean? Why does Christmas cards have to have so much glitter? Can I just ask that question? Anybody else not like glitter besides me? It gets everywhere, thank you. Anyway, I don't know. That's not an eternal thing. That's just a stupid opinion. All right. But, but the prophet wasn't thinking as he's writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This text that I'm writing here on this scroll, it's going to be the perfect Christmas text, man. No, not at all. What he's writing here is a powerful prophecy about the coming Messiah. Matter of fact, the entire chapter of nine is all about Jesus Christ and him coming. It's prophetic. Isaiah nine was written 700 years before Christ came to earth. But Isaiah predicts where Jesus will headquarter his ministry. That's verse four in the region of Galilee. Chapter nine shows that Jesus will be a light that dispels darkness and gloom and and will be a person who's a liberator and who will bring joy. That's verses one through five. And then verse six is he'll come as a child born, a son given. He will occupy the throne of David forever and there'll be no end to his rule, verse six through seven. That's really incredible. Prophecy like this. Listen. No atheist has a counter argument against fulfilled prophecies about Jesus Christ. You guys realize that, right? I mean, there's, there's no argue against it because it came true. It was prophesied hundreds of years before and then Jesus fulfilled them. So last week, we, we mentioned the prophet Isaiah, you know, prophesying about a son, a sign. You know, a son's gonna be born. It's gonna be a sign to King Ahaz in chapter seven. And he did this because a coalition of armies from the north was about to attack the southern kingdom of Judah where he was king of and and the big bad Assyrian army was behind them headed their way and they were just mowing through kingdoms, man. No one could stand against the Assyrians. And God gave King Ahaz a sign that, that he was going to be with them that they wouldn't get annihilated, they wouldn't get wiped off the map, and that the Davidic line of kings over Israel would not perish, it wouldn't cease, but there's one who's coming who will be on the throne forever. And that's where we read, that's what Matthew quoted, where it says, uh, the prophet wrote, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, they shall call his name Emmanuel with God with us, okay? So fast forward now to, to our chapter today. Gang, this massive and brutal army the Assyrians, they did arrive in the Israelite territories. At this time, Israel was divided into two different nations. There was the, the northern nation consisting of the 10 tribes. That was the nation of Israel. And there was the southern kingdom of Judah made up of two tribes. Well, the Assyrians came and, and they came into the northern kingdom and they wiped the 10 tribes of Israel off the map and destroyed them completely. 
No more 10 tribes. I mean, no more northern kingdom of Israel. And they hauled every single one away as captives. So the remaining two Israeli tribes made up of, you know, the southern kingdom of Judah, they made it through that attack, but they were barely spared. There was still a lot of destruction. We read all of this in 2 Kings in the Old Testament. So the prophecy in chapter 7 that that Isaiah gives about a sign to King Ahaz, it continues into chapter 8, where it's interesting, it kind of gets personal for Isaiah. He and his wife have a son. And things aren't going so well in Judah. So God tells Isaiah and his wife to name his son, and this is the longest name recorded in the Bible, Mehir Shalal Hashbaz. How'd you like that? I like them apples, huh? (laughs) Say that 10 times, you know? Mehir Shalal Hashbaz, all right? Okay? Talk about a unique baby name. You know, what's your name? (laughs) Yeah, it's okay. We'll just write it down. We'll just call you uh, Baz, all right? That name literally means speed to the spoil, hurry to the plunder. It's all about armies coming in and taking spoil and taking plunder. And God told Isaiah that before his boy, Mehir uh, Shalal Hashbaz, was able to say daddy or mama, the Assyrians would attack, and that's exactly what happened in Israel's history. So Isaiah 9 opens with the Israelites feeling the effects of this Assyrian attack and the oppression. It wasn't a good time in Israel town. At that point, there was a lot of gloom. There was a lot of darkness. They were looking all over the place for answers, trying to find some security and footing. But the Lord shows Isaiah that another son would be born that would deliver Israel and bring spiritual light to shine on spiritual darkness and sit on David's throne forever. So there's two boys being prophesied by Isaiah, the prophet, during this atrocious time in Israel's history. Isaiah's son reminded them of the destruction that that came upon them all. Every time Isaiah would look at his son, he'd probably think, man, if we would have just been obedient to the Lord, If we would have just followed his commands, then perhaps all of this stuff wouldn't have happened because God would have fought for us, okay? But now we're in gloom. We've been spared, but we're being punished and disciplined for our rebellion against the Lord. So Isaiah's son reminded them of that. And then this prophesied son shows that days of deliverance were ahead for the people. And it was something that would give them hope, something that would carry them through the tough times, something that would help them, okay? Gang, our world today could be marked by the description of how the Israelites were living in the end of chapter 8 and beginning with chapter 9. See if this doesn't sound like our world today. Darkness, spiritually. Gloom. People searching for answers. Hurting, spiritually hungry people turning to anything and anyone except turning to God. We even see the Israelites did that towards the end of chapter eight. They were turning to actually occultic things, looking for answers. Even today, people are turning to anything and anyone except turning to God. How we need the light of Christ to shine on us in our day today. As verse number two shows, the the light of Christ to illuminate the darkness in people's lives. And only Jesus Christ can do this. 
Only he can shine the light into people's lives and dispel the darkness. He's the only one qualified because he's the only one that was born divine and human. We realize this, right? Jesus Christ was both totally God and totally human. Jesus Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity, he added humanity to his deity. It didn't make him less God. No, he did it both. He was both fully God and fully human. Human and divine, yet they functioned together perfectly. And Isaiah even, I love this, he prophesies about this, these two natures of Christ in our text. Check it out. Isaiah's prophecy, verse six. It shows the two natures of Christ when he says he's born of a child. That's the human side of Jesus. And then when it says a son is given, that's the divine side of Christ. Born a child into humanity, a son is given from eternity and he's divine. See, Jesus was born as a human baby to come to us, okay? But he was the pre-existent son of God who was given to us, John 3, 16. He would be born in a manger that was you know, confined within time and space in Bethlehem, it's what we celebrate this season, but the Son of God has been and has existed all throughout eternity. Praise the Lord. And I read something this week that was actually pretty cool. Even the descriptive titles and names that Isaiah prophesies and writes about Jesus show the dual nature of Christ. Wonderful counselor, wonderful shows his deity and the counselor shows the human side of Christ. Mighty God, mighty like a warrior man. I'm gonna talk about this this next week. And then God is the divine. Eternal father, eternal shows his deity. Father speaks of his humanity. Prince of peace, prince shows that human element of Jesus and then yet peace that comes from him is totally divine. So Isaiah is writing and prophesying about the humanity and divinity of Jesus with these four names. And these four names that the prophet prophesies, they're four descriptive names for Christ that will reveal his character to us. Much like what we've done with all the names of God, we, we learn about God, his attributes, his character, his essence, his nature. That's what we're gonna learn over the next few weeks about these names of Jesus, who Christ is, his attributes, what he came to do. There are four titles of majesty that indicate the role that Christ has. So I wanna unpack each one leading up to December 31st. Next week, we'll talk about mighty God. Then the f next week, we'll talk about uh, the Prince of Peace. That's Christmas Eve. We'll have our 9, 16 a.m. service, okay? Then we'll close out the year with Everlasting Father. So today, this morning, right now, for a few brief seconds more. You guys with me? Yes. All right, okay, good. Brief seconds more. Let's talk about Jesus being wonderful. Let's talk about Jesus being wonderful. I just love saying that. Tell somebody, say, he's wonderful. He's wonderful. Man, I love that. Jesus is wonderful. <laughs> now, I know we throw that term around a lot, don't we? Wonderful. You know, wonder bread, okay. <laughs> wonder woman, uh, wonder superhero, okay. Oh, that's wonderful. Ooh, that food was wonderful, okay. That's wonderful news. You know, you did a wonderful job, you know. That place was wonderful. 
He's a wonderful person, okay? She's a wonderful person. We have a wonderful family, okay? We use that a lot, right? We use this word so much, like much of the words in our English lexicon language, I fear we don't ever really give a thought to its true intent. And perhaps it's used so much that we've let it become no different than any other just descriptive word, you know? I know that I get so tired of hearing it so much every day coming from my wife, Megan, when she describes me. And um, I'm not going to stop. You, she's in the kids. She would testify. She'd say a big amen for that right there. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> it is a joke. Don't everybody, she's in kids. Don't anybody tell her I said that, all right? That's okay. Strike it from the recording, Will. Um, but maybe this word has lost a little bit of meaning, okay? Um, maybe it's lost some of its luster. Kind of like if you can think back, if you got a, a really nice car back in the day or, you know, at some point, maybe it was brand new or maybe it was really nicely used and it, it just had that luster, right? And you would go out and you're like, dude, that's awesome, dude. Look at this thing, started up. But over time and over the years, you know, you're driving on the beach and stuff like that, it begins to lose its luster. Now you just come and eh, I need a new one. You know what I mean? Sometimes things like that loses its luster. And even in our context of our language, it's, it's even gained a negative, slight, sarcastic tone to it now. You know? Oh, really? Wonderful, right? You know what I mean? I got to go to the county office and pay taxes. Wonderful, right? We're going shopping for new curtains and bedding. Wonderful, right? You know, I get to spend time with family for Christmas. Wonderful. You guys know what I mean, right? We're like, oh, great. Clean the pool. Wonderful, right? Take the dog for a walk. Oh, wonderful, you know? Yeah, it's kind of got a sarcastic negative tone. Guys, when we take the biblical meaning of this word and apply it to Jesus Christ, we find something absolutely amazing. Jesus is exceptional. He's distinguished and he is remarkable. That's my Jesus, praise the Lord. That's more than Jesus is my homeboy, Jesus is my best friend, Jesus, no. Jesus is exceptional. He's distinguished. He is remarkable. Jesus isn't dull. He isn't a joy kill. He's not boring or just some person of interest. He's the most remarkable man that has ever walked on this planet. He's the most distinguished of all individuals coming from an eternal glory. He's the most exceptional person that has ever lived because there has never been, nor will there ever be anyone like Jesus Christ. Praise God. That's my Jesus. In the book of Judges, the people were living pretty badly, okay? That's why there's a book of Judges, because God would rise up a judge and deliver the people, then they would rebel and get into sin. But there was a couple in the Old Testament who couldn't have children, and one day Jesus appears to the, the lady as an angel and tells her that she's gonna have a very special child, a child that is totally dedicated to the Lord. This child would, would become known as Samson in the book of Judges, okay? So she runs and tells her husband Manoah, you know, that... Um, this angel has appeared before me and has told me these things. And, and so Manoah is like, oh, Lord, please, I want to see the angel. Send the angel to us again. So Jesus appears to, to both of them again. 
And, and this time Manoah does something kind of curious. He asks for this angel's name. And I love Jesus' reply to him. It's in Judges chapter 13, starting with verse 18. And the angel of the Lord said to him, why do you ask my name, seeing it is wonderful? Why, why are you asking my name, Manoah? It, because it's wonderful. The Hebrew word that Jesus used to describe himself in that text is the same Hebrew word that Isaiah writes about wonderful in his prophecy in 9.6. His name shall be called wonderful. Jesus was like, Manoah, my name is so remarkable, so exceptional. Why do you ask it? It's beyond your understanding. You cannot even comprehend it. And it's the same for you and I today. His name is wonderful. His name is wonderful. We love the name of Jesus. But our finite minds can't even begin to comprehend the, the depth and the length of his name. The totality of the powerful, magnificent name of Jesus. That the name of Jesus, demons flee. At the name of Jesus, people are healed. At the name of Jesus, things happen because there's power in that name, praise the Lord. His name of wonderful means that Jesus is extraordinary and a marvel. Extraordinary and a marvel. Now, many people, we got a, we got a few in here, love the characters in the Marvel universe, right? Come on, Iron Man, Spider-Man, Captain America, Captain Marvel, Thor, you know, all those. If you like them, raise your hand. If you're not, you're not, okay, good. Ten of you, great, all right. Um, but I'm sorry, and I know it might devastate some of you to raise your hands. They're just comic book characters, right? They aren't real. We realize that. Listen, only Jesus Christ is the original Marvel. <laughs> he is the OG Marvel and he is wonderful. All throughout the New Testament, we read that people marveled at Jesus. They stood in awe of him, his teaching, his miracles, his actions, his love. Even today, people marvel at how Jesus Christ has changed their lives, just like in verse two of our text, how he's shown a great light and changed everything in their lives. How many of your lives have been changed by Jesus Christ? Yes, that's marvelous. That is wonderful, because it's all about Jesus, who is marvelous and wonderful. Look, the, the truth is this. You can never know Jesus Christ and be bored. You can't, there's no way. And if you're here this morning, you're watching online and you're bored with, with Jesus, you need to check your heart. Maybe you need a, a heart change. Maybe you need to look upon the Savior again and see how truly wonderful he is. Maybe you need to run to him again, allow him to, to visit with you and hang out with you and revive your heart for him because he is wonderful. Don't be a believer this morning who's, who's just trusted in Jesus, which is awesome. You've trusted in Jesus as your Savior and your Lord. That's great. But then you stop right there and you never truly realize how wonderful Jesus Christ is. Because when you do that, you're cheating yourself. You're cheating yourself, right? Dude, we used to sing a song written by a Christian artist named Carmen. You guys remember Carmen? And it sang this. His name is wonderful, his name is wonderful, his name is wonderful, 
Jesus, my Lord. Anybody else sing that song? A few of you? Yeah, thank you. It's wonderful. His name is wonderful. And he is our Lord and Savior. Do you know him today? Do you know how wonderful he is? How remarkable he is? There's no one like him. Even in our world of chaos and stress and busyness and uncertainty and and gloom and the like, Jesus stands above it all as our wonderful Savior, filling us with his hope and his love and his peace and his mercy and his strength. And not only does the prophet write that he's wonderful, but the prophet writes he's our wonderful counselor. Our wonderful counselor. Mm. Everyone needs a counselor from time to time, don't they? Everyone needs a counselor every now and then at different times and seasons and stages of our lives. Sometimes we need a financial counselor. Sometimes we need a a career counselor. Somebody may need a marriage counselor. Sometimes we need a counselor for our kids. Sometimes we need a legal counselor. (laughs) The gang, the prophet writes, we have the wonderful counselor. Amen. Amen. You might be one that when a situation arises, you have the attitude and you always say, you know, I don't need no stinking counselor. I can figure it out on my own. Okay? There might be a person that's like that type, listen, that might not ever walk through a human counselor's door, but trust me, you, I, everyone needs this wonderful counselor prophesied by Isaiah. Why? Why do we need a wonderful counselor? Why? Why why is this put in here in, in, in the prophecy for Isaiah? Why do we need a wonderful counselor? First off, we need help finding our way through this life. We need help finding our way through this life, navigating through the turbulent seas of this life. Often we live life and it can be like a fog. We don't know what's up, what's down, what's in front of us. Man, I used to drive, when when I went to school in Tennessee, my family lived in Indianapolis and so I'd I'd make that stretch on I-75 an awful lot and when we lived either out west or in Indy, we would traverse all those, you know, going through Missouri and Illinois and all these different states to, to go see family, and especially in Missouri. Sometimes the fog would be so intense. I would, rather, I would rather drive through ice and snow than fog because I had a lot more control. You wouldn't think it, but a lot more control with ice and snow. I knew how to drive in those, but fog, you couldn't see like right here what's coming, you know? And sometimes life can be like that. And then throw in the hectic pace of our busy schedules, stressful living, things that happen to us, curveballs that come our way, right? I've said it often. I I don't know how people without Christ in their lives make it each day. I truly don't. Without Christ in his light, we can be like the people that the prophet Isaiah writes about in Isaiah 59.10. People are groping along the wall like blind people feeling along like those without eyes to see. And truly, those that are in the world without Christ, that's how they're living. They're groping, they're grasping, trying to find some kind of way. Listen, we need Jesus' help to help us find the way in this life, his way. 
his way. Psalm 119, 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. His way is the way to life everlasting. And we need help to find that way and how to live this life, heading to that way to live forever with our King. We need a wonderful counselor because we don't have all the answers. How many of you guys, you've got it all figured out? Anybody in here? Don't raise your hand. And you know, if you are, I know you're just kidding. No, we don't have it all figured out. We don't have the answers at all. Sometimes we may act like we do. We put on a good front, right? We, 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 we act like we have it all together, right? And so many people put their hope and trust in the wisdom of man, but, but man's wisdom can be totally empty and vain and not lasting. Listen, Jesus Christ is truly the answer to all of our questions, all of our issues, all of our insecurities. Jesus is the only one that's everlasting and he's the only one that will truly satisfy us. He's the answer to everything we have. That's the all-sufficiency of Jesus Christ. We need a wonderful counselor because we, we, we cannot really rectify our sin problem. We cannot rectify our sin problem. We've all sinned. We've all fallen. We are hopeless on our own. Romans 3.23, the apostle Paul writes, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Gang, we need a savior that can and will rescue us from this life of depravity due to sin. We try to do good, okay? We, we try to rectify our sin problem on our own. We try to good, do good things. We try to live moral lives. But even in those instances and in that, we fail. We fail. We need someone who can do for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And we cannot save ourselves because we will only fail time and time again. That's why we need Jesus, our wonderful counselor, our savior, someone to save us and lead us to a new life. We need someone to restore the relationship with God. And that, that follows right behind. We can't rectify our sin problem because it's our sin problem that breaks that relationship with God. We sinned. There's a gap between us and a holy God. But people all over are searching for God, searching for meaning in their lives. See, there's something deep inside each human that can only be filled by God himself, yet they search and search to fill this longing with gods of their own making. There's an emptiness inside of us without God. That's why Jesus came, to restore that relationship, to bridge that gap, to take us to the Father, but it's only through our wonderful counselor, Jesus Christ. Even he said, I didn't write it. Jesus said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Jesus said, if you want to get to the Father, you come through me. Jesus, our wonderful counselor. And lastly, here's the last reason why we need a wonderful counselor. We just need help. We need help. Oftentimes we're running around repeating the same line in the famous song from the Beatles, you know, help, I need somebody, help, not just anybody, right? Help. You guys thought I was going to sing uh, I Am the Walrus from the Magical Mystery Tour. Wrong, you know. <laughs> when I said the famous song from the Beatles, you know, I Am the Walrus. But we're running around in life going, help, help, my marriage, I need help. As a mom, I need help. As a dad, I need help. 
It's a person in this world. The stress is getting to me. The loneliness is getting to me. The busyness is getting to me. This life is getting to me. Help. We need help emotionally. We need help mentally. We need help relationally. We need help physically. And man, we need help spiritually. Psalm 121 verses 1 through 2. Two of my favorite verses in scripture. I lift my eyes toward the mountain. Where will my help come from? Listen to the psalmist. Where's my help coming from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Dude, we will run all around the place and spend a lot of money for help. And some of it's good and some of it we need. God gives wisdom and, and all kinds of stuff. But listen, there's no help like the help from Jesus Christ. No help like the help from Jesus Christ, our wonderful counselor. You see, there's good news from the prophet Isaiah this morning. Jesus came to help us. And he can help us as our wonderful counselor. He can help us. Why? Because he is an expert. And he's an authority in his field. Just like most counselors, okay? Most counselors we go to, you want to go to a counselor that's an expert in their field of counseling, right? Yeah, I mean, I don't want to go for marriage advice to a dietitian counselor, okay? They might be good, but I don't need to be told I need to eat more uh, carrot juice to save my marriage, all right? Which I don't think that is it. No, listen, Jesus is an expert and an authority in his field. Matthew 28, verse 18, Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Whoa, that's awesome. And what Jesus has said is true. His word is true. What Jesus has said in his word is true. The gospel writer John wrote in John 1.1 1, 1, that Jesus is the word. Listen, that means his word is the authority in our lives. And it's good for counsel, 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17. And gang, I've said it before and I'll say it again. With his word, what Jesus has said, with his counsel, we can't just pick and choose what we like. We can't just pick and choose what part of Jesus' words we'll follow and what part we won't. We cannot allow culture and society and trends and lifestyle choices and politics and things like this to dictate what we believe about God's word, what we're gonna follow regarding God's word and then what we're going to ignore as well. It doesn't work that way. How many of you would grab a dictionary and say, well, I believe this part of the dictionary is true regarding these words, but, but I don't believe that these words really matter and that I don't really have to believe what these words' definitions are. It, I, I know what the definition here, the book says about sky and what it means, but I don't believe it. I'm not following it. I think the sky means something different. I think the sky actually means that ocean over there. Now, we don't do that with other books that we consider authoritative like that. But yeah, we will do that with Jesus's words when Jesus is the authority. And that's why he's a wonderful counselor and he can help us. Jesus is also, also someone that we can trust. We can trust him, gang. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. He will show you the path to take. Look, Jesus will never let us down. He will never fail us. We can trust him. 
Over time, people will hurt us. They won't measure up. People, even those we love highly, will let us down and disappoint us, right? But not Christ. Never. Not our wonderful counselor. We can trust him. Even the money, even, even our monies declare that, that statement. In God, we trust. Why can he help us? Because he's simply there. This one makes him a good, wonderful counselor. He's simply there and he listens. Hebrews 13, five, the writer says, keep your life free from the love of money. Be content with what you have for. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And often, gang, this is sometimes the most important thing, right? Just having someone there. Back in 2016, I had open heart surgery. They, you know, they took the old saw, probably a craftsman, and just right up here, you know? And it was an ordeal, but man, all I wanted to know, all that really mattered to me going in and when I recovered was that Megan, my wife, was there, her presence. And I'll never forget, I picture my mind right now, when I finally came out of the anesthesia, I had like a million tubes all over me, dude, and I, uh, this big old thing was down my throat, I couldn't even breathe, couldn't talk, but Megan was right here on my side. And the first voice I heard was, hey, I'm here, I'm here. Breathe, because you don't want to breathe right away, right? But she's like, breathe. And then when I heard her voice, I knew her presence was there. It just brought me peace, and it calmed me down, and it was awesome. King, that, that's Christ to us. He's there. We talked about that last week. He's with us always, and, and he listens intently. His ear is always open to us in our cries. As we discovered last week, his presence is with us. No matter what comes our way, no matter what happens, he is with us. He also is someone that understands every part of our lives. Hebrews 2, 17 and 18. Therefore, it was necessary for him, Jesus, to be made in every respect like us, his brothers and sisters, so that he could be our merciful and faithful high priest before God. Then he could offer a sacrifice that would take away the sins of the people, since he himself has gone through suffering and testing, he's able to help us when we're being tested. Look, this is so important. Listen, Jesus knows what we're tempted by. He knows our, our flurry of emotions. He knows the struggle of living as a human being. He knows the heartache. He knows the pain. He knows what it feels like when people abuse you and mistreat you. He knows what it feels like when people walk out on you. He, he knows all that stuff. He knows anxiety. He knows relational issues. He knows loneliness. He knows what it feels like when people wound you, right? Jesus knows firsthand so Jesus can relate. He can relate to us. That's what the writer of Hebrews is writing about. He lived this life as a human and, and was tempted and faced everything that we face, yet he did it without sin, but he knows. He can empathize, and he's there with us every time, okay? And because of all that, he can help us. He can help us. First Peter 5, 7. Casting the whole care of your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns on him. For he cares about you with deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Hebrews 13, 6 says, we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. Can you say that? Can you personally say that in your life? When troubles arise, when things happen, 
Circumstances and situations come up. It's your first response. The Lord is my helper. The Lord is my helper. Listen, 2016, it was not a good year for me, okay? I was, that was not a vintage wine in Isaac's life, all right? <laughs> not only did I have open heart surgery, but a few months before that, I got into a pretty much a head-on car crash on a bridge in Cincinnati. Me and a, a, one of the leaders of the church and his son, we'd been playing some basketball. We whipped up on a team. We annihilated them. They were whimpering they got beat so bad, okay? Um, but we were going home that night. It's kind of late, and this guy got on. It's a very narrow bridge, and we saw him hit and careened right over. And man, much like what Patrick described to me at his, it's like everything slowed down, and it's like a TV commercial you see, and it was just crazy. And the thought was, this is it. I'm not going to see my family. I'm, we're not going to make it out of this. And then it, it's just like everything went black, and then. And that eerie silence, man, I opened my eyes. The first person I called out to was just, God help us. God help. And I'm not, that wasn't just a, I wasn't just saying it just, you know, it's just the, the nice little thing we say all the time, you know, like this. No, it was a deep cry of the heart. God help us. I didn't hear nobody. I didn't know what was going on, but I called out to God right away. It's what it means that, that the wonderful counselor can help us. And he should be our first response, right? Lord, help me. Because he can heal us. He can free us. He can protect us. He can deliver us. He can guide us. Listen, no matter what you may be facing or going through, even insurmountable it might seem, Jesus, your wonderful counselor, our wonderful counselor, he can help you, praise the Lord. And I've seen it time and time again in people's lives. Look, we all need someone. And specifically, we all need Jesus. Because Jesus is more than an arm on a chair to lean on, more than a rail for support on the stairs. He's more than a crutch. He's the rock that we stand and build our lives on. He's the very present help in times of trouble, Psalm 46.1. He's our very present help in times of trouble. He's our wonderful counselor. Jake, if you and the team want to come up, that'd be great. Our last one before we pray is, he's our advocate. He's our advocate. Hebrews 4.16, the writer says, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. See, this goes back to restoring the relationship with God. And Jesus does that. There, there's... There's a story told of a soldier who served in the Union Army during the Civil War. And he was a young man who had lost his older brother and he lost his father in the war. And his mom sent him a letter pleading with him to come home and to help her and, and, and his sister take care of the farm and the, the family things that, that now they really needed someone to help. So the young man was granted a furlough and he went to Washington, D.C. to plead his case to President Lincoln. And when he arrived at the White House to see the president, he was told in, you know, just no uncertain terms, you cannot see the president. There's no way you can see the president. You're a soldier. Don't you know that there's a war going on? The president is a very busy man, so just don't bother him and, and get away. 
So the young man left very disheartened, disheartened, and he went to a nearby park. He sat down on a bench and tried to figure out what he was going to tell his mother. It was then that a little young boy walked up to him and said, soldier, you, you, look, you look very unhappy. You look sad. Well, what, what's wrong? The soldier looked at his, this young boy and he began to just, you know, he's feeling the pressure of the moment. He just began to spill out his heart to him and told this young boy about his, his father dying and his brother dying in the war and how badly his mom and sister needed him back on the farm, but he can't see the president to get that release. All of a sudden, the little boy did something very strange and peculiar. peculiar. He, he took the soldier by the hand and he led him around to the back of the White House and they, they went through the back door, past the guards, past all the generals, all the high-ranking government officials till they got to the president's office itself. This boy didn't even knock. He just opened it and he walked right in. And there sat President Abraham Lincoln and his Secretary of State. They were looking over battle plans on the desk. The president looked up and said, what, what can I do for you, Todd? And Todd said, Daddy, this soldier needs to talk to you. And right then and there, the young man was able to plead his case before the president. Okay, that, that's a great illustration of what Jesus does for us. He takes us to the Father. He's our wonderful counselor and he's our advocate. He pleads our case. Like a legal counselor does, he pleads our case to the Father. The word says that he ever intercedes for us. He's praying for you. Our wonderful counselor is praying for you. There's a lot of things, like I said, a sin separates us from God, it breaks that relationship. But when we run to Jesus and we put our trust in him and put our confidence in him and make him our Lord and Savior, Jesus takes us by the hand, takes us to the Father and says, they're your child and they need help and they need help. See, all these aspects of Jesus being our wonderful counselor they answer all the questions of why we even need one. It's because he's the one who understands when no one else does. He's the one who will stand by you when everyone else turns away. He can help us confront the past and begin wholly new in him. He's the one that can help us find the Father. But you know what? He waits for us to come to him. Our wonderful counselor waits for you and me to run to him. He stands there with arms open, says, come to me. Come to me. All of you guys, you're heavy, you're laden, you're burdened down. Come to me. I'll help you. But what do we do? A lot of times we're like, I got it, Jesus. I can take care of it. I'll try to do it in my own strength, my own wisdom, my own power. No, guys, let's drop that pride. You don't even need an appointment to see Jesus. You just go to him. Go to him. And our wonderful counselor will meet with you every time. Lord, we come before you this morning. And Jesus, I, I, I thank you that we, we don't have to hide from you. We don't, like Adam and Eve, we don't have to like create stuff to clothe us because we're shamed of what we've done. No, you know us. You know us, you know our weaknesses, you know our faults and failures, but Lord, you, you love us anyway, and you're there. 
and you're ever reaching out to us. And I just pray for everyone that's here this morning that, Lord, you just move in their heart and move in their life. Lord, I, I, I'm sure there's some here, God, yes, they've made you their Savior and your Lord and their Lord, but, Lord, they just, they don't think of you as their wonderful counselor, marvelous, remarkable, extraordinary, no one like you. I pray, Lord, they would open up their heart and that, Jesus, you would reveal yourself to them in such a beautiful, amazing way to where they'll say, Jesus Christ is wonderful and he's my counselor. Hallelujah. Lord, let your peace be apparent and present right in our lives right now. Lord, we all need help. We need help emotionally. We need help mentally, relationally, some financially, some physically, spiritually. Help us, Jesus. Lord, we call out to you right now. Visit with us as our wonderful counselor. Give us the peace that, that you'll bring deliverance. You'll bring your hope and peace and your comfort and joy in our lives. That you're working it all out. That you, you know our path. You know our lives. It, uh, the steps of the, the way are, of the righteous are ordered of the Lord. You, you've already ordered them. Now help us, God, to walk that. To not give up, to not grow weary in doing well, but to walk it faithfully, carrying our cross, following you, Jesus. Lord, let the truth of this prophecy ring in our hearts. You're our wonderful counselor. Hallelujah. Touch marriages, parents, kids, families, students, those here this morning, those watching online, those that are away right now. Lord, fill us with you. Help us today. And Lord, if there's someone here that hasn't made you their Lord and Savior, God, I pray that they would not play games. They wouldn't put their spiritual lives on the line. Eternity, Lord, risking it. Let them put their trust and confidence in you. Let them live for you. Let them confess you as their Lord and Savior and believe in you, Jesus, and follow you. Jesus, hallelujah. He's here right now. You know, while they're playing this music, whatever you have, just won't you just tell Jesus right now. You don't have to come forward this morning. You don't have to, anything like that today. Right now, the wonderful counselor's here. Tell him what's on your heart. Right in your seat, right where you are. Talk to your counselor, Jesus Christ. Lord, begin to move. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. We lift up your name right now, God. Do what only you can do, Lord, in our hearts, in our spirits. God, you know every detail of our lives. Help us, Jesus. Help us, Jesus, I pray. Hallelujah. Mm. I'll be over here. If you'd like to pray more, have us, anybody wants to join me to pray for people, you're more than welcome. If, if you need prayer for anything, you want to make Christ your Savior and your Lord, 
Come see us today. Let us pray with you. Let us entreat our wonderful counselor together. And I pray that our wonderful counselor, this aspect of Christ, is on our hearts and minds throughout this Christmas season because he can help you and he loves you and he loves you. 